Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. That really wasn't planned or intentional. We had uh, something kind of lined out for these next two weeks uh, as we're leading up to a new series coming in a couple weeks. And um, that uh, had to change a little bit. And Pastor Gil said, is there anything on your heart that you maybe want to share for two weeks? And I thought, actually, I think there is. And I want to start this two-week series that I'm simply entitling this, Don't Stop Here. Look at your neighbor and just say, don't stop. Don't stop here. That title will become... Uh, increasingly uh, more understandable as we, as we go along. But I'll just give you the premise. Um, the reality is every single person in the building today, you are where you are. Like it or not, you are where you are. Whether it's because of life circumstance or situations that have either incredibly, ridiculously blessed you or put you in a place where you feel like you're at the lowest point in your whole life whether you've made the best decisions ever, and we should all take a masterclass from you on godly, uh, wise decision-making, or you've made the worst decisions ever, and you have literally walked uh, through the book of Proverbs, and everywhere it says, a fool, fill in the blank, you go, I'm gonna do that. And you've made the worst decisions ever, and so you are where you are. The reality is, you are where you are. You're, you're here. All of us today, we sit where we sit here. My, my encouragement really is twofold. Number one is this, um, wherever you are, don't stop here because God has more for your life. We serve a God, it's not just cliche saying, it's actually theological truth that there's always more with God. The Bible says that the gifts and callings on your life are irrevocable. God does not take those back. The Bible says, I can't think of the scripture reference, but the Bible says that he who started He who began a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. The Bible says, God, he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. There's always more with God. So wherever you are today, just be encouraged and just know that there's more that God has for my life. God has more when it comes to the purpose and the plan he has for me. God has better days ahead. There's always more with God. And and secondly, I wanna speak to, maybe it's applicable to everybody in the room, but I think certainly to someone in the room that that I think God wants to speak to a group of people today that there's a, how do I say, a ministry assignment on your life. Now, let me clarify. I believe all of us are called to ministry. That doesn't mean that all of us are called to be pastors. That's not what I mean. But all of us, we've been called by God to use what we've been given to reach people and to build his church. Jesus didn't say to the select few who said, I wanna go to Bible college. He said to all who would call upon him, "Um, you're actually being commissioned now to go into your world and to live and give everything you have to reach those who are lost and, and help those who are found to, to grow in relationship with, with me. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, do you wanna know what I'm building? It, it, it is not my company. What I'm building, it is the church. See, Jesus, when he, when he left the earth, he didn't hand his, his assignment, his, his calling, this, this great mission to reach the earth with the love of God. He didn't hand it to an individual. 
He didn't say, Peter, you are amazing. You won't be here in a little bit because you're going to deny me three times, but currently you're amazing. So I hand, no, he handed it to a group. He handed it to, to a gathering of believers that we now call the church. And it is now the church who is, yes, a global church, but also is made up of local churches. It is the mandate of the church to, to arm and arm, live life together, be used by God for a common purpose to reach a community for him. I love that we're sitting here this morning, but the reality is there are thousands of people literally right around us in homes and on boats. Some of you are like, I wish I was on a boat right now. On homes and on the golf course and, 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 and doing whatever, that it's our mandate to reach them. But the reality is we can only do it together. And so we've all been called to ministry in a sense that your whole life, if we just wanna go Bible and like talk theological truth, is to, to be given, to be spent, to be lived so obsessed with Jesus and the reality of his return that you're giving your whole life to say, I want to reach people. I want to help people. And I want to build this local body that God's called me to because I'm a part of something bigger than myself. But there's another group of people. And, and it, it may be who I'm speaking to this morning that outside of that, you, you sense and you feel that there's maybe a vocational call of, of ministry on your life that God's called you to do something as it relates to vocational ministry that I'll just say maybe currently you feel a little stalled out. You feel a little stuck. You, 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 you feel a little bit like, I don't know if that's actually relevant anymore. And, and I wanna speak to both groups this morning and just say, don't stop here. Because God has more for your life, more for our life. And I want to preach from this idea, how is it that I, that I move forward in what it is that God has for my life? Exodus chapter 3, reading out of the New King James Version. Um, I'll read from the screen directly. If you don't have that version, not a big deal. But the New King James Version on the screen. Exodus chapter 3, uh, reading verses 1 through 10. It says this. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Pause. I promise I won't pause that much, but I want to bring your attention back in a moment to where, where, where Moses is, because where Moses is, I think, is pretty relevant to where maybe a lot of us are today. So, so now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back, uh, back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside. That phrase, if I had a highlighter and a pen, I would circle that phrase, turn aside. And I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people. Pause real quick. Now, we often think about this great plan that God has for our life through the lens of American culture. 
And, and honestly, we, we can't really necessarily blame ourselves because we, for most of us, we were raised in American culture. And so that's kind of how we see the lens of everything, except for that's not like Bible culture though. So when we think about the purpose, plan, calling of God in our life, we often think in terms of me, 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 myself and I. Oh, like, I wanna do that. Because is that how I'm gonna be like fulfilled and happy and be able to be like, yeah, look, mom and dad, what all I've achieved for, for the Lord. But I, I wanna point out to you that God's great purpose for your life really isn't so much about you. There, there is fulfillment in it. This is what Jesus said in John 4, that my food what nourishes me, what satisfies me is to do the will of him who sent me and finish work. So there's fulfillment in it, which by the way is why some of you are literally going thing to thing looking for fulfillment and you can't find it because fulfillment is only found in fulfilling what God has created you for. So you, you will never find it in money. You will never find it in career. You will never find it in hobby or shooting better golf scores. Although, God, I'd love to shoot better golf scores. You, you'll only find it in fulfilling. So this call, though, it's not about you. It's about, it's about the people God's called you to. And so notice, God doesn't come to Moses and go, Moses, I would like to offer you the most happy, fulfilled, abundant, blessed, vacation-filled dream life. He says, no, um, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. Think about God as a father for a second. I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are scattered all throughout Fort Mill and TGK in the greater Charlotte area. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow. By the way, sin is often referred to as a taskmaster. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Hivites and the Jesubites and all the other ites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you might bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The promised land that God had given to Israel is fulfilled. Someone say fulfilled. It's fulfilled in the person of Jesus. That while the promised land was a real place and these are real stories we're reading, it's all a shadow an illustration of what Jesus would come to do. And so this great promised land is actually fulfilled in the person of Jesus and how we can read it. New Testament is Moses. Um, I see my people who are oppressed by and enslaved by sin and because of it are suffering and burdened and they're calling out for help. And I have a promised land. I have salvation. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. I have a life for my people. And so I'm coming to call you. And you write this down, title the sermon that I'd like to preach this morning is simply this, turn aside, turn aside. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take just a moment and pray and ask that God would take the remaining moments we share and that God really would use them to do something in us 
that is beyond a church service or a sermon, but it's something supernatural that only God can do, that we receive from him a word. Can we do that? God, I'm praying today that more than just uh, inspiration and information, that these moments we, we share really would lead to transformation. Not because of good ideas or good talking points, but God, because of the actual word of God that comes and finds place in our heart. You said faith comes by hearing. Lord, I pray that another level of faith and expectation would happen today as we hear the word of God delivered to us individually, wherever we are today, whatever here represents. I pray, God, that you would, you would give us a spirit to say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna stop here. I'm not living here another day. I'm not gonna stop here. God, you have more for me. And I pray that we leave here today, not only just inspired and just full of faith that you have more for us, but also with some practical steps that you're asking us to take to be able to move forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, I have found that over my 34 years of living that I've changed my mind a lot. Anybody else, do you change your mind frequently? It's one of the things that my wife most loves about me. Just kidding. Uh, how much I change my mind. Um, but I mean, all of us, we, we can relate that we, we've changed our opinion over the years, haven't we? Or, or at least I hope you have. Like if you're still holding the same opinion and perspective that you had when you were 15 and you're 45 now, this is a problem. Like you, I, let's, I hope we would have grown and matured a little bit, but we, we change. We change our opinions. We change our perspectives. We change our appetites. Uh, last night we were eating dinner. And uh, my wife made what is now my favorite thing she makes. It's a honey glazed chicken. Um, you should ask her to have dinner at our house and for her to make that because it's so good. But we're having this honey glazed chicken and she made this cauliflower rice. Now my son Graham, who's three, I think he ate the equivalent of his body weight in cauliflower rice. But Brooklyn wouldn't touch it. Like, it's gross. I don't, I don't like it. I, I, I don't want it. And, and I was explaining to her why it's important sometimes that we eat food that we don't like be, because you, you kind of got to like grow past that. You got to be able to eat stuff sometimes that you don't love so much. Uh, A, because most healthy food maybe isn't the most delicious to eat. Uh, but secondly, we don't want to keep on buying food and spending money to throw it away. So you, eat, eat, eat your dinner, please. And um, I, I was trying to encourage her to say, hey, there's some foods that I've eaten that I didn't like, but now I love them. For example, I used to hate lettuce of any kind. I didn't put it on anything didn't, didn't eat it with anything. And then I went to a friend's house and um, his, his mom was doing something for dinner that I'd never heard of before. This is not the house I grew up in. We were having salad for dinner. I've heard of salad as like an appetizer. I've heard of salad as like, you know, a quick lunch, but I never heard the whole dinner is just, that's it, we're having salad. Like just a piece of grilled and salad. And um, I, I was too embarrassed to, to say anything. And so I just ate it. And the craziest thing happened. I got done eating the salad and I realized I like lettuce. Let, lettuce is good. I actually enjoy, I don't know if it was the intimidation factor of my friend's mom, or it was just that my appetite really changed. But we, the point is we, we change. And I, over the last 14 years, I have changed my opinion and perspective on the, the magnitude or the importance of moments with God. Moments with God. You, you know, we live in a culture that we make a lot out of moments, don't we? we, we we're all about camps and conferences 
and church services and personal encounters with God where we're spending time with God and we, you know, the coffee's right and the setting's right and we're reading our Bible and God begins to speak and we get goosebumps and God, his presence is there and we make a lot out of moments. And by the way, a lot of that is because of preachers and teachers like me who, who maybe say things they wish were true, but they're just not true. Like, so for example, I used to say uh, all the time, like as a youth pastor, you gotta go to camp. Bro, what do you mean you're not going to camp? You're not, you're not going to camp, you're gonna miss it because God is gonna be there and your life is gonna be changed forever. And I wished it was true. There's a part of me that kind of wanted it to be true, but the reality is, it's just not the truth. That nowhere in the Bible do we see that singular moments with God lead to, to transformation in full. But boy, do we glorify moments, don't we? We glorify, we idolize, we deify moments with God. Oh man, you, you gotta go, you gotta be there. Now, I'm not saying they're not, they're not important because here's what singular moments with God do. They bring conviction. I can think back as a pastor's kid to moments in church services and camps and conferences where God used a moment to bring conviction to an area that I, I needed God to just in the square in my chest, just go, hey, this is not okay. There's moments that God not only brings conviction, but he calls us. I can think back to singular moments of calling where I know that I know that I know, God, you've called me to this. There are moments that mark our life. There, there are moments that can, can, can even separate us unto something God has, but they're not life transformative in, in themselves. But we sell this though. And, and not only do, do we sell it and, and, and we, we propitiate it by looking for every opportunity to, to, to post singular moments of life and celebrate them and glorify them, hoping that somehow people will comment and like and, and that'll do something for us, but, but we, we treat our relationship with God like this. And Exodus chapter three, if, if we were there or if Moses was living in 2022, what might've happened is Moses would have seen, seen this burning bush. And, and what, what we may have done or Moses may have done is he, he might've grabbed his phone and snapped a picture of the burning bush. It burns, it burns, but it does not burn. Oh, that's, that's a good caption. It burns, but it does not burn. It is on fire, yet it doesn't smoke. It is consumed and yet it remains. God is here, never be the same, boom. And, and then he, he, he would have moved on. See, what I think you need to know about Moses is that Moses is in a pretty interesting place because Moses was born in, in a day and age when Pharaoh, he was killing every male child that came out of the womb. You'll do some stupid things, some crazy things, some evil things when your life is led by fear. The Bible says that Pharaoh was afraid that Israel would grow to the point that they would outnumber the Egyptians and, and, and they would threaten them or take, take over them. And so what he started doing is he said, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna kill every male child that leaves the womb. The Bible says though that Moses was born and, and his, mom, his mom saw something on him. It, it wasn't just the, the love of a mother, 
But different translations say different ways that, that he, he was beautiful to behold or, or he was a fine baby or he was a godly baby. I, I love that the NLT, it says that his mom could tell he was a special baby. And so she preserved him because she could see there's something on his life. So she, she preserved him and she hid him as long as she possibly could. And then she put him along the, the bank of a river. And the Bible says, ordained by God, that Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And Pharaoh's daughter, her heart takes to him. And so Moses, when he should have been from the womb killed, ends up being raised in Pharaoh's home. The Bible says when Moses was about 40 years old, when he was grown, that he, he went out one day to see his people. He, he was raised in, in an Egyptian home, but make no mistake about it, he knew he was, he was not an Egyptian. He goes out to see his people and the Bible says he saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating one of the Hebrews. And so Moses goes and intervenes and he kills the Egyptian. He hides him in the sand. The next day he, he comes out and two of the Hebrews are fighting and he, he goes to intervene. Now, why would he do that? Acts 7, 25, listen to this. It says, um, recorded obviously later, but it says of Moses, for he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. Pause for a second. Moses, while he had not yet had an encounter with God, Moses, he could see and sense a greater purpose on the inside. He could see something and sense something that nobody else could. Can you relate? Have you ever been able to see yourself like others cannot see you? See, we, we talk a lot of times about like, hey, come on, man, like you, you need to like see the best and you're, you're missing it. But I think sometimes we actually see greatness on the inside of ourselves. We can sense there's more that God has for me. There's more that God wants to do for me. And yet, because we act presumptuously, See, Moses just assumed everyone, everyone can see and sense what I see and sense on the inside. And so I'm gonna, and he acted presumptuously and the Bible said no one else could see it, no one else could sense it. And so Moses, out of fear, Moses fled to the land of Midian. Uh, uh, Exodus 2.21, listen to this verse because I think it's relevant. Now Moses was content, someone say content. Moses was content to live with the man, the man would be Jethro. He flees to Midian and he meets Jethro's daughter. He ends up marrying uh, th this man named Jethro's daughter. And, and the Bible says that he found safety and comfort in Midian. And so something in his heart said that it's safe here. It's comfortable here. I, I don't feel the fear and rejection I once did. It's safe, it's comfortable. And so he begins to live content in Midian. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever, because you see and sense something greater on you than other people can see, and because they didn't see it out of fear or discouragement or disappointment or feeling rejected, have you ever went and began to live in Midian? Maybe you're here this morning and you're living contently in less than what God has for you. You, you have found contentment in going through the motions, in, 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 in chasing the American dream, you found contentment in your house, in the money you make, in the hobbies you enjoy, in the accolades that you've achieved. You found contentment in, 
in the things that your kids are doing and, and you're content, but you're living in less than what God has for you. What I love about God is that God's that guy that he just keeps knocking. Like this is full, full disclosure. Uh, there, there's an email that I need to respond to, but I haven't because I don't understand it. And, and it's a guy, I actually don't even personally know him, but he's emailed me before and I've tried to respond, but then that's like a chain reaction to a bunch of other stuff that I don't understand. It's like really long emails. And um, I, I realized that he just keeps on emailing and I don't know if I should respond or like report him and block him. I don't know, but it's like, he's just like, every time it's like, oh, another email, another message. And God's kind of like that though. See, you might be content living in Midian, but God is not content for you to stay there. And so God keeps on, keeps on knocking. By the way, this is sometimes why, why you and I, why we start hiding from places where we know we will hear God's knocking. That, that's why something in our flesh sometimes starts hiding from places and people and environments where we know I'm not gonna be able to go there, be around those people, be in that environment without hearing the knock. And I'm content in Midian, to be honest. I'm, I'm content right here, to be honest. And so we might not even articulate it, but we start finding different places and different people and different environment because there, there's not as much knocking there. God says the gifts and callings of God in your life, though, are irrevocable, which the beauty of that verse is that you can never outrun the call of God on your life. You might be here and you might think, I've missed it royally. Good news. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You're never too far from God. The bad news is the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And so the bad news is it's hard to lay your head on the pillow and really find contentment when you know you're, you're running. Jonah, who was running from God and Moses was content to live in Midian, Jonah was content to die in the belly of a whale. And yet God, are, are you done now? Because there's some people in Nineveh that need you. There's an assignment that's on your life and, and I hate to break it to you, Jay, but it's on your life, not someone else's life. And so even if I gotta chase you down in the belly of a whale, I'm, I'm knocking. And so Moses, we pick up in Exodus three and it's a great reminder for you and I that God's not done with us because Moses is content to live in Midian. Moses settled down. Moses has it made in the shade, if you will. And yet God comes knocking and God appears to him in, in a burning bush. If, if you really read the text, it wasn't even God. It was the angel of the Lord. God sends a messenger. Sometimes God will send messengers to try to get our attention. That mom, that dad, that pastor, that friend. Be, be careful you don't write them off and start despising them. They might just be a burning bush. And, and the Lord appears to Moses, angel of the Lord appears to Moses. And here's what I want you to notice. And it really is, wow, we got to get moving. It's 1201, holy cow. Um, <laughs> it's the longest introduction of all time. But, but I want you to see this in verse three and four, and then we'll, we'll quickly get, get to the, the, the thoughts for today. But Exodus three and four, it says this, and the angel of the Lord appeared 
Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Verse two, and you don't have to put it on the screen, but, um, or you can because you're amazing. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. Listen to this. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse three, if you don't catch anything else, I want you to see verse three and four. It says, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. Listen to this verse four. This is so good. It's not the preaching, it's the text. So when, someone say when. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God began to speak. Did you realize in this passage, God hasn't said a word yet. Sometimes we we write down warm and fuzzy things that we think and we go, bro, I got a word from the Lord. But honestly, God hasn't even started talking yet. You, you just felt good vibes in an environment and you start talking to yourself. God hasn't even started talking yet. See, again, if we're Moses, a lot of us, we go, whoa, burning bush, crazy. God is in this place. Snap, filter, caption. All right, love you, Lord, see ya. And we miss what God's actually trying to do. Why? Because we've we've glorified and deified moments, not realizing that life with God is not about moments, it's about a daily pursuit. The Bible says God doesn't even start speaking. This interaction of him revealing himself to Moses and then clarifying the calling on his life and giving him direction to begin to, it doesn't even happen until Moses turns aside. I'll give you three, three thoughts quickly. Number one, you can write this down, that moments with God should lead to daily pursuit. Again, I, I am not, I'm not minimizing the importance of moments with God. We just had an incredible youth camp last weekend. I'm sure they're having an incredible kids camp. And I will be back up here in about six months saying, we got fall retreat coming up. Your kids need to be there because moments matter but they matter because they're starting points, not the end all be all. And and I want you to see that moments with God, while, while they matter, they should be leading us to daily pursuit. If we are not turning aside, we miss it. And here's the, here's the scary thing. We don't even realize we missed it. We don't even realize it. We don't even realize how much more God had in store because we failed to turn aside. We just kept moving. Wow. That was incredible. That moment, that camp, that conference, oh, vibes for days. But then we keep moving and we miss so much more of what God actually had in store. The Bible says this in Mark chapter four, verse 26 through 27, Jesus said, do you wanna know what my kingdom is like? My kingdom is not about these spectacular moments. It's about the daily grind of following me. It's about the daily pursuit of me. He said, and he said, the kingdom, and he said, and he said, that was funny because I, Forgot that that's how it started. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and sleep by night and rise by day. In other words, the kingdom of God is, it's about the consistency. The kingdom of God is if a man goes out and scatters seed on the ground and then he waters it and then he goes to bed and then he waters it. And then, and this cyclical process, the Bible says, and the seed begins to sprout and grow, he himself doesn't know how. 
Man, I honestly, I can't even articulate all that God is doing in my life right now. I don't really know how it started happening. I don't know where that opportunity came from. I never thought that I was gonna meet my spouse. I never thought this door would open up, but I was just faithfully, consistently following Jesus. Why? Because moments with God should lead to daily pursuit. Number two, you can write this down. And it is daily pursuit or daily pursuit. It is what requires our daily decisions. Daily decisions. Someone say daily. I used to, to, to be a big proponent of this word discipline. And then I had four kids and I realized I wasn't as disciplined as I thought. I just had a lot of convenient opportunities to do things. Now the convenience has gone away and I realized maybe you weren't ever disciplined. You just had a very convenient life. But, but I used to say disciplines because in my mind, it's like, yeah, you just, you know, you just, you make the decision, man. You just gotta be more determined. Do you think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? No, he was disciplined and determined, but, but, but time has kind of proved to me that following Jesus really is less about determination. And it's more about this twofold like thing that lives together. And number one, that is just us going, God, I need your help. So much of following Jesus, it's not, it's not your determination, it's you going, God, I need the grace and the help of your Holy Spirit to empower me to make daily decisions. But then God, I need to go to your word and I need to understand the ways of your kingdom so that I can make the right daily decisions. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul is writing to a young son, son in the faith and he says, but reject, reject but reject profane and old wives' fables, listen to this, and exercise yourself. What, what, I, what I love about this phrase is that there's an emphasis on, hey, Timothy, time to take some ownership. Well, well, I shouldn't say why, I know why it is, because we, we glorify moments, that's why. But, but, but so often we go, all right, God, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Change me, transform me. And I'll just be here waiting for the next moment. But so much, so much of the Bible, it's this as for you mentality. Paul says so many times in, in his letter to Timothy and Titus, hey, as for you though, I know everyone else is doing this, but as for you though, did you know you will stand alone before Jesus? And so will I. And, and we have to begin to take up this, as for me, he says, but reject, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. I love this verse, verse eight. For bodily exercise profits a little bit. In other words, all the things you're currently doing, it's like, yeah, yeah, but, like, but, but they're necessary. Ah, they're profiting a little bit. They're helping a little bit. There's a little bit of increase. There's a little bit of harvest. He says, but godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, there's a lot of us, we're saying yes to so many good things. And we, we've said yes to so many good things that we've automatically, without knowing it, said no to the things that Jesus is asking us to do. I don't have time, Pastor. Honestly, I don't have time. Like, I'm, I'm all about the daily pursuit. Trust me. Trust me, Brandon. No, no one knows better than I the importance of the daily pursuit. Just don't have time. Got to be honest. Really busy season. And the last one was too, and the next one will probably be really, it's because we're saying yes to things we haven't asked Jesus about. 
Like, I, I wanna ask so often, but I don't because it'd be out of bounds. I wanna ask so many people, hey, question for you. That's amazing. Did God ask you to do that? Because the amount of time and energy, it's stealing from the things that God has clearly said you should be doing is profound. And it's a good thing. It's profiting a little bit. But did God ask you to do that? See, we got to start saying no to things so we can say yes to the right things. Let me give you a couple ideas. Things we should be saying yes to. This is not legalistic, just categorically. You can throw it on the screen, Corey. Things we should be saying yes to. Things like daily time with God. The amount of hours we spend on electronic devices, don't you tell me you don't have time for God. See, we, 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 we did this at camp and I won't do it here because you might get weirded out. But I got off the stage, I was preaching a similar message and I started asking all the students, hey, how many hours in a day do you have? 24, awesome. Hey, like, don't you love middle school and high school because you can be the same age and you can be like, 24. How many hours do you have? 24. It's like, it's, it's, it's such a cool age. And, and I, I asked probably 10, how many hours do you have? Because the point that, that I wanted to make is we all have the same amount of hours in the day. So really it's not, it's not an issue of time. It's an issue of stewardship. It's an issue of prior, It's an issue of how do you prioritize and steward your time? See, Moses turned aside. In other words, I'm tending my father-in-law's flock but I think God's trying to get my attention. And, and so I, I, I need to at least momentarily say no so I can say yes and I can turn aside to, to investigate, to lean in. And the Bible says, here's, I'm so far off script, but here's, here's what I want you to see. The Bible says, so that when the Lord saw Moses turned aside, can I tell you, God, he's waiting for the posture of your heart to change. It's not about like the, it's not, it's not about the time you're taking. See, and this is where we miss it sometimes because we go, well, I don't know, Brandon, like for a season, I was like really, really stretching myself and I spent time with God for 30 minutes every day for 30 days and then God's looking less at what you do and more the posture of your heart. Is your heart gonna turn aside? Can your heart say no to some things so that it can turn aside and say, yes, God, I need you. I, I desire to know you. I, I desire, you might be, Brandon, this isn't relevant to me because I'm not even a follower, follower of Jesus. Did you know Moses hadn't even really met God yet? But at this little knocking, this burning bush, he turned aside and the first thing God did is God revealed himself to Moses. You, you, you might be right around the corner from a revelation of God like you've never had it before if you would just turn aside. See, moments with God should lead to daily pursuit and daily pursuit requires that we make daily decisions. And last one, point number three, and then we're, we're done. You can write this down. And it's the daily decisions that lead to the transformation. How do I, Brandon, like really grow in a relationship with God? You make daily decisions. It's, it's not an encounter. Like you, you should definitely go to the next camp conference or big service that someone invites you to, that's great. But just so you know, that's not the answer to your problem. You will not find what you are looking for in a moment, which really bothers us because we're instant gratification, right? You won't find it in a moment though. You'll only find it over the daily decisions. I love this quote, I've said it before. 
in, in preaching, but consistency eventually works exponentially. We want consistency to work like this. It doesn't work like that though. Consistency eventually will work exponentially. And the Bible says this, Galatians chapter six, verse, verse seven through nine, God, the apostle Paul says, do not be deceived. Don't get duped into thinking it's not true, man. God is not mocked for whatever. Someone say whatever. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Could, could I just in love say, there, there, there's some of us that we're, we're duped. We're duped. We're deceived because we don't think this is true. And do, do you know how I know that we don't think it's true? Is that we don't sow the right seeds and then when we get the wrong result, we're shocked. Brandon, I can't tell you how many moms and dads I've talked to over the last 14 years that are like floored that their kids aren't passionately thriving in a relationship with God. And I'm always floored that they're floored. I'm always like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, it, are, are we talking about, oh, so that's what happened. You, you got duped into thinking you could sow all these seeds and sow none of these seeds, but somehow God was just gonna make it all work and we'd get, the Bible doesn't work like that. Hey, don't be deceived. Don't get duped. Don't get tricked. Why would the Bible say that? Not because it sounds cute, but because God goes, hey, we're so prone to being fooled and deceived. It is so easy to convince ourselves. It applies to everyone else but me. I should know I'm a pastor and God regularly checks my heart. Things that I'm like, ah, it doesn't really apply to me. Didn't you just preach that sermon? Didn't you just pastorally counsel? Yeah, but you know, like, I mean, that's not like I'm, no, 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 it's, it's you. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked, whatever. That is a sobering word. Galatians 6, 7, whatever, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Listen to verse eight, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. I hate it, but it's true. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Paul goes, Timothy, don't, please don't forget that God is not mocked. God, he, he's in covenant and committed to his word. The Bible says, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, but if he said it, he ensures that it will happen. And God has spoken that one thing that will, will remain in, 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 until this thing is wrapped up is the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever a man sows, whatever a man gives his time to, whatever a man allows in his eyes and allows in his ears and allows in his household, whatever a man makes time for, whatever a man gives himself to, that he will reap. So Timothy, please don't, don't sow to the flesh. That only will lead to corruption. That, that'll only live to short-term results that don't do what you think they do. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end road is death. No, no, no Timothy, sow to the spirit. Invest your time, invest your energy, invest your life in turning aside. Because from the spirit, 
you will reap life. Can I, can I ask you a question this morning and then we're, we're done? Um, where are you? What, 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 is, what is here for you? you? We all walked in here today living in our here. Where are you? Where, where are you? Can, can, can I implore you? Don't stop here. God has more for your life. God, God has better days in front of you than are behind you. God is faithful to his word. God is a healer. God is a provider. The Bible even says that God, he can abundantly redeem. It's, it's a word picture for someone that has dug a hole and then fell in it. Can I, can I get a witness? It's a word picture for someone that, yeah, you made all those decisions, bro. You said all those words. You did all that stuff. And now you're living in there. And the Bible goes, okay, with God, there is abundant redemption. God can redeem abundantly. God is a healer. God is faithful. God has more for your life. The question is, will you stop here? And, and can I say the, the question in, in, in second part is, will, will you get duped into thinking that, that, that moments take you from here because they don't? So many people, we get stuck and we live here because we've glorified moments. Ah, yeah, man, I'll never be the same. Went to, went, to, went, went to camp. If a moment with God was life transformative, the proof would be in the pudding and it's just not. Ah, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's okay though. It's, it's fine, be praying for me. I'm going to this mega fest, extreme disciple conference encounter, boom, flame with God. It's a long title, but I'm telling you, bro, it's gonna change my life. Probably not, actually. I hope you have a good time and like drive safe, but it's, it might bring conviction. It might mark you. It might separate you, but it will not transform your life in full. No, it's, it, it's a burning bush and that's all it is. Let's recognize moments for there. It's a burning bush and nothing else. And the burning bush, we, we need the burning bush because we need so often God to in a loving, gracious, kind way go, hey, 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 oh yeah, yeah, can, can, can I speak with you? Make no mistake about it. It is not the burning bush, but it was Moses' decision to turn aside that changed everything. Will you turn aside this morning to lean, to lean into him? Will you go home and make the list of things we need to start saying no to because we, we can't say yes to to turning aside. And if we, if we don't start, start saying no so we can say yes, we'll always be in Midian. And Midian's fine. M Moses was doing okay. Midian was comfortable. Midian was safe. But Midian was so far less and below what God had for Moses. There was a whole nation of people that were calling out to God, save us, deliver us, help us. You have a coworker right now that in the dead of night is calling out to God. If you're even real, help me. There, there's someone in, in your classroom. There's someone in, in your proximity, in your cohort. There's some, someone in your neighborhood that you don't know because Instagram is deceptive, that they are in tears on a regular basis calling out for help. And God wants to send you. 
God's calling you, but you've been here for a long time and it's time to not stop here. It's time to turn aside and say, all right, God, I'm turning aside. I'm gonna begin to daily pursue you, making daily decisions that will lead to not just me being transformed, but me being used by you. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna stop here. Can I, can I pray for you? God, today, I pray first for anyone in here that has been called to, to ministry, whether it's full-time or part-time or volunteer time, anyone that there's a ministry assignment on their life. And currently, they're living in Midian. They might be comfortable and it might be safe, but it's less than what you've created them for. And I pray that God, you would, you'd reveal yourself to them in a burning bush kind of a moment that would convict their heart, that would capture their attention, that would call them and separate them. And I pray that God, even right now, you'd begin to give them the courage again to turn aside. And I pray that as they do, you, you would reveal yourself to them like never before. You would affirm to them the calling, the purpose, the plan that is on their life, that is still yes and amen. And you would give them clear direction on how to move forward. God, I pray for anyone and everyone in this room who they just feel far from God. They just feel disconnected from you. And I pray that in, in a similar way, they would have a burning bush moment. Maybe it's this morning where you convict their heart. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can do it. You're the one that convicts our heart of sin and righteousness and the judgment that is to come. I pray that you'd bring conviction, but you'd call them near and nigh unto you. And I pray they would begin to have not just the boldness, but the understanding enough on the inside to know, God, this is how I turn aside in this season. This is what I gotta say no to so I can say yes to you. And I pray that collectively, God, we would no longer live here. We go from here to the place you've called us to. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.